says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. I thank you today, Father, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. We can depend on your word. And so I step back down so the Spirit of God can step up and minister grace to the hearers of your word. And I declare in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of hearing this word, receiving this word, believing this word, and exercising this word in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap as you take your seats. God bless you. Last week, I ended a series entitled New Covenant Living. Everybody say New Covenant Living. Amen. And I'm starting a new series or a new edition of that series today, and I'm going to entitle it Faith for New Covenant Living. Everybody say Faith for New Covenant Living. Over the last four weeks, we've been discussing the background and the purpose of the Old Testament as well as putting in context what the purpose is of the New Testament for our lives. And so this new division that I'm going to start with today, uh, it's really designed to help us understand how to live according to the New Covenant. And this New Covenant that I'm going to be talking about, the Bible says, is established upon better promises through Jesus Christ. So our focus is going to be on how to use and activate our God-given faith to live out this covenant because I'm going to show you that when Jesus died, God gave us faith, but he gave us this faith not for just us to have it. He gave us this faith for us to live by, and I'm going to show you how to do that. So you need to buckle your seatbelt up because I'm going to put you on a spiritual roller coaster ride today. All right? So for those of you who are taking notes, the lesson title is Faith for New Covenant Living. If you have your Bibles, I want you to find Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look in verse 1, Hebrews 8, 1. And then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4. That was Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4. So let's start this new division of our series out by looking at how and why the new covenant is considered better. In other words, the scripture says that this new covenant that Jesus has made is a better covenant. Now, Hebrews chapter 8, they're going to put it on the screen, verses 1, to me makes this plain and clear of why the new covenant is better. So I have four points today. If you want to take notes, the first point this morning is the new covenant is a better covenant. Everybody say the new covenant is a better covenant. Amen. Now, 
We're going to start reading at the beginning of the chapter uh, because I kind of want you to get the context of what's, what's being said. It says, now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum of it. In other words, he's saying, this is what I'm summarizing everything that I've said. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Verse 2, a minister, he's talking about Jesus now, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord has pitched and not man. Verse 3, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man, what man? Jesus Christ, this man have somewhat also to offer. Now I'm jumping down to verse 6 because I want you to see what Jesus uh, has done with this covenant. It says, but now, everybody say now. My question is, when is now? Now is now. He says, but now has he, Jesus, ordained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a what class? Of a what? Okay, so Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between. He's the bridge. Watch this. Of a better covenant, watch this, which was established also upon what kind of promises? Upon better promises. So Jesus here comes on the scene and not only does he establish a new covenant, the Bible just tells us, but it said this new covenant has better promises. Everybody say we have a better covenant with better promises. So let's answer the question, what makes this covenant better? Uh, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 you can go there they're going to put it on the screen what makes this covenant that Jesus made better because if the word of God tells us this covenant is better we need to not only know why it's better because you can't properly use something until you know why you need to use it or the way you need to use it it says in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 because it gives us the reason why this covenant is better it says for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord I will put my laws into their mind I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people so what makes this covenant better is that God is now able to put his desires and his promises watch this in the hearts of people and not just their heads see back in the day everybody say back in the day Back in the day, they did not have the Spirit of God. Their sins were not forgiven, so God's holy presence could not reside on the inside of them. And so because he could not, he had to do everything outside of them. And that's why in the in the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned against God, the Bible says that Adam would walk in the cool of the day and speak to God. Well, at one point after he sinned, God says, Adam, where are you? Well, that was not necessarily a physical question. He knew where Adam was. Adam was missing spiritually. Because God told him the day you eat it, you're going to die. So at that point, Adam had died. So God had to begin to talk to them from the outside in. So now, because of this new covenant, we have the ability now for God to put his promises in our hearts and not just in our head. Amen. So second Peter, because now what I want to know is this covenant is better. Okay, why are the promises better? Well, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, 2 Peter 1, 4, I'm reading this out of the Amplified Bible. It says, by means of these, he has bestowed upon us his precious and exceeding great promises. Everybody say great promises. So that through these great promises, you and I may escape by flight 
from the moral decay, the rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed. And watch this. And you and I have become sharers or the word partakers is also used of the divine nature. So these promises are better because they enable us to experience God's nature from the inside out now. In other words, liquor can only work if you get it on the inside. How many have been drunk before? Let me see your hand. Been drunk before. Is that all? Now, I, listen. I know today is Sunday. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. I didn't ask you if you got drunk last night. I said, have you been drunk before? So let's try this again. With the showing of hands, how many have been drunk before? Praise the Lord Jesus. Liquor is only good until you get it inside. That's the only way it's going to work. It's not going to work in the bottle. It only works when you get what's in the bottle in your system. Well, now the reason why these promises are better is because now God has a place to put these promises on the inside. So now we're not driven. We don't have to be driven by the outside. We can be driven on the inside. Amen. So here's the thing. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life more abundantly. That will take place on the inside. But see, here's the caveat which is point number two, if you're taking notes, here's point number two. These promises that I'm talking about must be accessed by faith. These promises must be accessed by faith. Let me say it this way. Just like a car cannot run without an engine, God's promises cannot work without your faith. And many people, because they don't understand what faith is or they don't understand how faith works, they never tap into God's promises for their life and they end up living a life that is a spiritual roller coaster because they don't know how to grab hold of the promises. So today I'm going to show you how to grab hold of the promises by faith. Amen. Now, uh, they're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 because the chapter, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it's really all about faith. Some people call it the faith hall of fame because all it does is talks about different acts of faith. And so what I want to do is go over some of these because my point is the promises of God must be accessed by faith. It has nothing to do with your feelings. I have stood in faith for certain things and I've watched God do it and I didn't get one chill bump. And the problem with most people is that they have, for some reason, they've mixed up their feelings and their emotions with their faith. And you can't walk by faith if you're going to walk by your feelings. Watch this now. Verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 11, it starts out the faith journey through these Old Testament people. And it starts out by saying, by faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Abel, watch this. We just talked about him earlier. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. In other words, watch this now. It takes faith for you to give God's way. 
And this is why a lot of people don't give properly because they're not doing it by faith. It says here, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain did. Verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible. Say impossible. It's impossible to please him. Talking about God. So watch this now. So it takes faith to please God. It takes faith to give. It takes faith to please God. Watch this, verse 7. It says, by faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen. What? Let's see what he did. He moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. It takes faith to obey God to do things other people won't do. God spoke to this man Noah and said, Noah, I want you to build a boat because I'm about to make it rain and this rain is going to flood the earth and the only way you and your family are going to be saved is if you build this boat and obey me. Well, I can just imagine how Noah was thinking. He had never seen rain before in his life. And if you and I are going to obey God, watch this now, to get the kind of promises he wants for us, we got to be different. You can't be the average person. The average person don't obey God. But it takes faith to obey God. Watch this now. Look in verse 8. It says, by faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called. Everybody say Abraham was called. Now look at your neighbor and tell him you got a call too. When Abraham was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for his inheritance, what did he do? Come on class, what did he do? What did he do? He obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. And here's my point. It takes faith to obey God's calling for your life. Listen, when you start living by faith, which is what I'm teaching you now, what you're going to initially, you're going to discover God has a call on your life. But once you discover the call, that's not good enough. Just because you know God's call, doesn't that's not good enough. What makes it good enough is when you start obeying the call. Because there are going to be times that God will stretch your faith and ask you to do something that relates to your call. He told me he wanted us to build a building and not buy a building. How many know that was a stretch? I'll never forget as I sat down to go over the budget. We were a million dollars in the hole before we started. And the Lord wouldn't let me change it. How many know you got to build by faith too, don't you? Okay, so watch this now. Let me prove my point. Because my point is all the promises of God must be accessed by faith. Let me prove it now in verse 32. It says, and what shall I say? For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon, to talk about Barak, to talk about Samson, and to talk about Jephthah. And to talk about David also and Samuel and all of the prophets. Watch verse 33. All of these people through faith, what did they do, class? Come on, read it. What did they do? They subdued kingdoms. By faith, what else did they do? They wrought righteousness. By faith, what else did they do? Come on, class, what did they do? It took faith for them to obtain the promises God has made or had made. And it is going to take faith for you and I to access the promises that God has in his word for your life. Watch this now. Uh, Because Jesus told us uh, in the New Testament 
that he needed to physically leave the earth. And he says, when I leave the earth, I'm going to send forth the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. And so Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 tells us that this promise that Jesus made of us receiving the Holy Spirit, it actually reads, it says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'm in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on the tree. Why? That the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Watch this. That you and I might receive the what? The promise of the Spirit. How? So even the Spirit that Jesus said, I'm going to sin when I leave. You, the only way you and I are going to receive the Spirit of God is that we have to do it by faith. So here's my question. How do we exercise our faith so that we can live by these better promises under this better covenant? Because I don't want to just know I've been promised something. I want to, I want to get it. I mean, if I told you, hey, I got a brand new car that I want to give you and, uh, it's paid in full, it's brand new, only has five miles on it. And I said, it's, it's, uh, it's located in Arizona, Phoenix. Here's the address. If you get there, you can have the car. I don't care if you don't even have a car. You're going to figure out how to get that one. I don't care how phobia you are about flying in an airplane. You're going to figure out how to get from Texas to Arizona. Why? Because you want to access the promise well i don't just want to hear about the promises i want to access the promises so here's point number three point number three faith functions like a recipe faith functions like a recipe faith is a force everybody say faith is a force faith is a force which gives us the ability to do three things. You can write this down. Faith is a force. It gives us the ability to believe God, trust God, and please God. Everybody say, believe God, trust God, and please God. However, our faith must be combined, watch this now, with other spiritual ingredients for it to effectively work. Please understand that there are always negative spiritual forces out there that are fighting against the force of faith. That's why the scripture says that we fight the good fight of what? Okay, so when you and I are trying to access the promises, these promises can only be accessed by faith. So that means there are going to be other spiritual forces trying to uh, hinder and fight against your faith. Here's some of them. Uh, These negative forces uh, are doubt. Fear, unbelief, here's a big one, unforgiveness, here's another one, offense. All of these are used by the adversary to nullify your faith from working. And so I'm going to show you at the end, I'm going to walk some of you through because some of you will not access these promises because you have unforgiveness going on on the inside. Amen. So you can mix the faith ingredients that I'm going to show you now. When you mix them, I'm going to show you today that it will not only have your faith to work, but it will keep you in position. Watch this. So when these negative spiritual forces come, you can maintain your spiritual position. Now, 
Romans chapter 12, verse 3. I want them to put that up there. Because the faith that you and I have was issued by God through Christ to us. Everybody say, by God, through Christ, to us. In other words, when you and I got born again, God decided to give everybody the measure of faith. Romans 12, 3, watch what it says. For I say through the grace that is given to me, to every man that is among you, talking about Christian people, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly according, watch this, as God has given or dealt or issued to every man, read it with me, the measure of faith. When you got born again, God decided to give you some faith. And you know what I love about God? He gave everybody the same amount. None of us have an excuse that we can't make it because God gave everybody the same amount of faith. And so this bowl of popcorn represents the faith that God gave everybody. Now, I know you want to eat some of this faith right now, but we're not going to let you eat it right now. So this bowl represents faith. Everybody say this bowl represents the measure of faith. Amen. So when we got born again, when we got born again, that measure right here got deposited on the inside of us. And that's why you hear the phrase throughout the Bible that says the just shall live by faith. Because now God has put in us what he wants us to live by. But the problem is you ever own something and you didn't know how to work it? Well, I'm going to show you how to work it. Our faith gives us the ability to do three things. I'm going to say it again. The ability to believe God, trust God, and please God. Everybody say, believe God, trust God, and, and please God. Now listen, I'm going to define it. Believing is only agreeing with the truth. Don't mix up believing with faith. Believing is just your ability to agree with truth. And see, this requires no action. How many believe that this is popcorn? Raise your hand if you believe this is popcorn. Yeah, yeah. How many believe that uh, 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 these are chairs that you're sitting on? How many believe that, right? All right. Well, it doesn't take anything to believe. It requires no action. However, trust, watch this now, trust is believing or, watch this, agreeing with the truth plus action or works. That's what trust is. So you can believe in that chair that you're sitting in, that it'll hold you up. But you don't show me that you trust that chair until you decide to take some action and sit in it. So believing is just, look, agreeing with the truth. But when you say, I'm trusting God, trust has to have action with it or it ain't nothing. Okay, so believing is agreeing with the truth. Requires no action. Trust is believing or agreeing with the truth plus action or works. And watch this. Using our faith to please God is activating, watch this, our believing into action by obeying whatever he tells us to do. So now, trust I have to put forth some actions. But faith is when I put forth action to do what he told me to do. Because you can put forth action and not do what he told you to do. Well, that's not faith. Can I get an amen? Now, let me show you how faith works. James chapter 2 verse 17. James 2 17. It says, even so faith, 
if it has not works, it is dead being alone. Yes, a man may say that ye have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Look at this. This is good now. You believe. Remember now, believing doesn't take any action. It's just agreeing with the truth. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the devils believe and tremble. All these people that say, oh, I believe in God. Well, that don't take a, that don't take nothing. He's real. But it's not until you now take the next step and you make, you trust Jesus Christ with your life. He says the devils believe in tremble, verse 20. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is what? Dead. So as you can see here, as we just read, faith by itself is considered dead faith. And that's where a lot of believers are. They have faith, it's dead. It's dead. So watch this now. Because this powerful force that came from God called faith only comes alive when we combine it with some spiritual ingredients. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Let's go to Hebrews 4, verse 2. I'm going to show you now. I'm going to give you three spiritual ingredients that if you do these three things, if you do these three things, faith will work in your life. And let me tell you something. I've been in this thing a long time. If it didn't work, I wouldn't be up here. If faith didn't work, we wouldn't be in this building. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached, everybody say the word preached. The word preached did not profit or help them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Wow. So how can I listen to this? This is good. How can a person hear the word being preached but not mix it with faith. How do you do that? How does a person come to church, hear the word, but not mix the word they hear with faith? That almost sounds like an oxymoron. Why? Because the scripture said faith comes by what? And hearing what? So how can I be hearing the word and my faith not be increased? It sounds impossible. Here's the problem. Here's what most believers, this is what happens. They come to church, they sit down, they're doing like you're doing. The problem is, this happens when a person hears the word being preached, but it's not mixed with faith. This only happens when we hear the word, watch this though, but we receive it as words from man other than words from God. I'm going to say that again. See, you can't mix the word with faith if what you are hearing, you have decided to accept what you're hearing as if a man is saying it. If a man is saying it, you won't mix faith with it. But if you make a decision, when I hear the word, it's God talking and not Pastor Evan talking, then you can mix faith with what's being heard and results can come. Okay, I'm going to show it to you. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I want them to put this up there. We're almost through because I'm going to show you something here at the end. First Thessalonians chapter 2. It really explains what I just said. It says, for this cause, we also thank God without ceasing. Why? Because when you, watch this, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, You received it not as the words of men, 
But as it is in truth, the word of God, watch this, which effectively works also in you that believe. The word will not work in your heart. You will, it will not work. It will not produce faith if you hear it as if a man is saying it. And that's why a lot of people don't obey the word because they think it's the pastor telling them. Let me read this out of the living Bible. First Thessalonians 2. It says, and we will never stop thanking God for this. That when we preach to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke as being just our own word. But you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it was. And watch this. And it changed your lives when you believed it. What a revelation. Maybe the word that you have heard all this time is not producing faith for you because you need to receive these promises in your life as if God is telling you and not as a man telling you. And that's one of the reasons faith don't work for a lot of people because, watch this now, their faith is in the man. I'm going to say it over here on this side. A lot of times faith don't work for believers because their faith in what they're hearing, their faith is in the man. When This is why Pastor Evan, this is why I teach the word. So nobody can walk out and be, and I'm guilty of the fact that I'm just telling y'all how I feel. This ain't got nothing to do with how I feel. All this has to do with what is real and what's real is the word. I counted my last week's sermon. I had 32 different verses in my one sermon. Why? Because the word will become flesh in your life if you will stand in faith and believe it. So you want your faith to start working today when you hear the word. Decide right there. I'm not going to listen to this word as a man telling me. I'm going to listen because God is telling me. Amen. This is good, y'all. So here's my last thing. Here's my last point. Faith must have additional ingredients. Faith must have additional ingredients. Listen, faith won't work by itself. See this bowl? This is good. This bowl needs some additional ingredients. Have you ever bought a cake? Anybody bought a cake before? Well, you got the whole box but it needs some additional ingredients. Oh, you can try to make that cake if you want to and just put some water in there. I'm not sure how good it's going to be. If you read the side of the box, it tells you you need to put some eggs. You need to put some, some vegetable oil in it, in it. You need to put some sugar and whatever else you got to put in the cake. In other words, the box of cake mix by itself will not make the cake. And faith by itself will not work because if it did, it would already be working in your life. Second Peter chapter one, second Peter chapter one, verse five. And I know this is tough. This is, this is, this is, see, I don't want anybody, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to say, well, God, I, I taught them that word. Because see, some of you don't realize your next level destinies in life has nothing to do with your PhD, but it has all to do with your F-A-I-T-H. Listen, when you are functioning in faith, you don't need nobody to like you. You don't need to, look, you don't have to know the man. 
Why? Because my faith will cause all things to work for my good. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 6. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence. Read this with me. Come on class, do what? Add to what? Add to your faith. If I have to add something to it, it needs it for it to work. Add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, and temperance, patience, and patience, and godliness. I just wanted to show you that just to show you that your faith needs some stuff added to it. So I'm about to give you three spiritual ingredients as I close. Three spiritual ingredients that you and I must mix and add to our faith if we want our faith to work. I am out of time. Mark chapter 11. Go to Mark chapter 11. Now, uh, I'm going to take my liberty. I've been letting out 15 minutes early, if y'all noticed that in the first service. So I'm going to take five minutes. Can I have five more? Okay, good. Mark chapter 11. Let me give you these three ingredients. This is when Jesus spoke to the fig tree. He cursed it. And so now they're about to discover what happened. Verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. It was dried up from the roots because that's what faith does. Faith don't just work on the surface. It works under the surface. Verse 21, it says, And Peter calling to remember said, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And then Jesus said in verse 22, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Read it with me, Have in who? He said, have faith in God. Some translations say, Have the God kind of faith. Listen, he's about to say, He's about to say to them and show them and explain the process of faith that he used on that tree. He says, have faith in God. Watch this now. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you, disciples, that whosoever were the truth now. Watch this. Here's the first ingredient you have to add to faith. He just said, have faith in God. He's about to show us how to do that now. He says, whosoever shall say to the mountain." Listen, the first ingredient that you have to add with your faith is called a confession. If you have no confession, you have no faith. I'm going to say that again. If you have no confession, you have no faith. I can prove it to you because in Romans chapter 10, it says confess with your faith. And then believe in your heart. It didn't say believe in your heart first. It said confess with your mouth. Why? Because you can't believe something you ain't said yet. You want your faith to work? You need to add to your faith some confession. Here's your second ingredient. He says, be thou removed, be cast into the sea. Watch this. Shall not doubt in his heart. I ain't going to deal with doubt. You know what that is. You've been living that way all your life. Shall not doubt in your heart. But watch this. But shall do what, class? Come on, class. Come on, be excited like me. Say believe. But shall believe. What am I, what am I to believe? To believe that those things which I just said shall come to pass. What do you say is going to happen? I'm going to have whatsoever I say. So my second ingredient that I must add to my faith is called believing. 
Now, believing is acknowledging something to be true. We talked about that. But notice what he told you to believe. He told you to believe what you're saying. And that's why if you ain't saying nothing, you ain't believing nothing. I'm believing on the inside. Well, I don't know why. I ain't read that process in the Bible. I haven't read that one. How many know when you really believe something, you tell it, go tell it on the mountain. You tell it, everybody. I mean, if you really believe that I had a car for you in Arizona, you'd be telling, girl, you'd be texting them while I'm preaching. Pastor, they gave me a car. Can you take me to Arizona? I see some of y'all Ubering all the way to Arizona. He said, you must believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever as he said. And so to write to divide this, all you got to do is look at Romans 10, 8. I said it. It says, but what says? The word is not the, even in your heart, and I mean in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth, there's that ingredient, and believe in your heart, there's that other ingredient, your ingredient, you shall be saved. But then he says in verse 24, which shuts everything down, he says, but listen, when you pray, if you have ought against anybody, that your Father in heaven will forgive you. You need to forgive. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven shall not forgive your trespasses. So the third ingredient that you and I must add to our faith is called forgiveness. See, you think forgiveness is about the person. It's really about your faith working or not working. So listen, I, nobody should be that important in my life to offend me to such a degree that I'm going to let forgiveness sit in my heart and now I'm stopping my faith from working. Are you kidding me? Don't you let your ex-husband and what he did violate your faith and keep you in unforgiveness. Listen, forgive him and move on with your life. Don't let your ex-wife and that child support and all of that alimony get on your nerves. Listen, give it to her, forgive her, so your faith can work. Forgive that old boss that, that railroaded you and didn't do you right. At the end of the day, it ain't about the boss. It's about your heart. It's about your faith. And I'm talking to some people today. God is trying to stir you up. Because, see, you, you, you've been blaming people, but it's about you. And if you will let him, God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. So when all your haters come and he blesses you with a new job, you just eat it. Stand up right there where you are. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Hallelujah. Unforgiveness, you can't stay in this house. You can't stay in our heart. 
Some of y'all need to let some stuff go. Let it go and don't pick it back up. It ain't worth picking it back up. Hallelujah. Right there, right there, right there. I'm not sure what you need to let go of. I'm not sure who you need to let go of. I'm not sure what you need to let go of. It's not worth your faith not working. With every head bowed. Father, in Jesus' name. You said confess. You said believe. But you also said forgive. And Father, where we have ought against others, help us to see it's not about them. It's about our faith. And I thank you that today this word has dug up. This word has removed. And this word has changed us even now. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for holding on to stuff, to people, to issues that's been blocking my faith. Lord, I forgive them right now. I let it go right now. I released them right now. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that my faith is ready to work. And so I receive now forgiveness from you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap right there to see. Okay, I took more than five, my bad. But listen, there are some people that, with every head bowed, stay stay there, every head bowed, there are some people that need to get saved today. You've been playing around with God and he's ready.